The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. Good morning again. Welcome to Morgan Hill Bible Church. I'm excited as we today are launching into a new series that we'll be doing for the next about six or seven weeks or so called Empowered as we look at the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and how the Holy Spirit is the is one that can truly help us if you are a follower of Jesus in your walk with God and what it looks like to follow after Jesus in this world. Now, I think for most of us, if we had the option, we would have loved to be alive during Jesus's lifetime and witness the things that he did, right? Like, it's one thing to read about the miracles that we see in scripture. It would have been a whole other thing to be there and experience them live and in person, right? It's one thing to read about the feeding of the 5,000. It would be totally different if you're like, I had the fish. It was delicious. Thank you, Jesus. Like, I'm glad that was on the menu, right? It's one thing to read about Lazarus coming back from the dead. It's another thing to be there and see a man who's been in a grave for several days walk out with his grave clothes on, right? It would have been an astounding thing. Yet there's a verse in John that I find quite fascinating in this, is that Jesus says that it's actually to our advantage that he leaves because of the one that comes after him. Jesus is preparing his disciples in John chapter 16 for his soon. This is at the Last Supper, and he's about to go die on the cross. And he's preparing them for what is to come next after his death and then ultimately resurrection and then ascension into heaven. And Jesus says this in John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The helper is one of the words that the Bible uses to refer to and talk about the Holy Spirit. That Jesus says, it is for your betterment that I leave because upon my departure, the Holy Spirit will come and will be with you. And it's actually better for us to have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of us than to live alongside Jesus when he was here on earth. Yet oftentimes, it doesn't really seem like this. Oftentimes in our lives, it doesn't seem like it's an advantage that Jesus isn't physically present, but we have the Holy Spirit. Because for so many of us, the Spirit is very little talked about and thought about in our lives practically day to day and what it looks like to follow after God. Many years ago, almost I think it was almost 15 years ago, the well-known author Francis Chan, pastor and author here in California, wrote a really good book on the Holy Spirit, and he titled it Forgotten God. Because so often in the evangelical world, we talk a lot about God the Father, we talk a lot about God the Son, about Jesus, but we've neglected the role in the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And for so many of us, the reason that we're struggling in sin and not not growing in our walk with God is because we don't understand the significance and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so today, as we jump into this series, we're going to be in several different texts. We have some of them printed in your worship guide. They'll all be on the screen as well today. But I want us to think about how we can see the Holy Spirit as an advantage to us. How, how we can understand that the Holy Spirit is such a huge advantage in our lives. And to do so, first off, we must understand the Trinity. 
To firstly understand the advantage of the Holy Spirit is we have to understand the Trinity. Now, I understand it's a very dangerous thing for point one in a sermon to be trying to summarize the most theologically deep concept in all of Christianity. But here we go. I'm going to try. All right. So, so, Trin- so the Trinity is a core doctrine of Christianity. And what the Trinity basically is teaching is this, is that in Christianity, there is one God eternally existing as three persons. One God throughout all of scripture, there is one God who eternally, not like there used to be one and now there became other persons, but who has eternally existed as three distinct persons. Those are God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. It's a mystery, but it is the Trinity. It's a concept and theological thing taught throughout all of scripture. And so as we dive into thinking about the Holy Spirit, it's important for us to first realize that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit isn't just like God. The Holy Spirit doesn't just reflect God. The Holy Spirit is God. We see this very clearly in the book of Acts, which is a crazy story that happens in Acts. But, but we see here in, in Peter's argument, we see that Spirit clearly is talked about and referred to as God. Acts chapter 5 says this, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan fulfilled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of this land? Well, it remains unsold. Did it not remain your own? After it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it you've contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to man, but to God. Notice he says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You're not lying to man. You're lying actually to God. That for Peter, equating God and the Holy Spirit was equivalent. There's other passages throughout the, the whole of scripture that equate, and we clearly seen the Holy Spirit is God, just like God the Father and God the Son. One of the, the clearest passages is the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where, where Jesus says this to, to his disciples. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name and the likeness and the characteristics of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Spirit, three distinct persons, one God. It's the mystery of the Trinity. But for us to understand that the Spirit is God, all the attributes of God are true of the Holy Spirit. So things you know of God the Father and of God the Son are true of the Holy Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit is loving. He's good. He's gracious. He is just. He's wise. He's righteous because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God, and he's eternally existed as a distinct person in the Trinity. So the Holy Spirit is a distinct person. Now, sometimes that's hard for us to think about because we think of a person as someone with a body, but a person is someone who possesses an intellect, an emotion, and a will, who has thoughts, who has feelings, and who has desires and a volition that can be expressed. And we see these characteristics all true of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. First, we see the, the intellect, the knowledge, the thinking side of the Spirit is clearly talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says this, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Secondly, we see throughout Scripture that the Holy Spirit possesses emotion. A passage that clearly shows this is in Ephesians chapter 4, where, where it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is a person who experiences all the range of emotions, can experience grief. 
And then thirdly, we see that, that the Spirit has will or volition, has desires. One of the examples of this is that the Spirit is the one who gives spiritual gifts to those who are of the family of God. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts in a couple weeks, but they're given by the Spirit. It says this in 1 Corinthians 12, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills that he gives the gifts according to what he wills or desires for people to have. Now, it's important for us to realize that the Holy Spirit is a person, because in my, in my kind of experience in life and in ministry, I've noticed that so often we pick up on cultural concepts to try and explain parts of God that are hard for us to understand. And what I've seen over and over again is so many people, when they try and think of the Holy Spirit, what they eventually are describing is the force in Star Wars. Right? There's like, well, there's this like mystical thing out there and like I have to like lean into it and it's like, it has like the good vibes, right? And those kind of like, like that's what, and, and so we kind of talk about it like in these like mystical weird ways. But no, the, the spirit of God is a person. You can have a relationship. You can know the spirit of God just as you know God the Father and God the Son. He's not some mystical force to be tapped into but it is a person fully God, yet to sink the Holy Spirit has eternally existed. And so the Holy Spirit is God. And that's an astounding thing when we get to the second way we start to realize the advantage it is to us to have the Holy Spirit. And that's this, is that we can be confident of the Spirit's presence. The, the second way we realize the advantage of the Holy Spirit in, us, in our lives is being confident in the Spirit's presence with us. Now, the Holy Spirit is not like absent from the Old Testament and just suddenly appears in the New Testament. It, it, the Holy Spirit is seen throughout the holistic part of Scripture. We see from the very beginning, the Spirit is active and involved in the creation of the world. He's there with God the Father and God the Son, creating and bringing all things into existence that we know now. We see the Spirit working throughout the Old Testament. The language often is that the Spirit would come upon or rest upon certain people. Many of the prophets, when they would prophesy of things to come, would say it was the Spirit of the Lord came upon them and gave them a message. That's the Holy Spirit coming and empowering them with a message that God would have for his people. We see also in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit would come upon people and empower them for certain acts of service for what God would have them do. Sometimes we get why the Holy Spirit comes upon people. He came upon Joshua. David, well-known people in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit also, is the same language, came upon and used people like King Saul or Samson. But we see him empowering individuals for acts of service. But there's a distinction that happens in the New Testament, and the language shifts, that it's not no longer just the Holy Spirit comes upon people, but the language shifts, and it's intentional and significant, that now after Jesus, when he sends the Holy Spirit to us, the Holy Spirit indwells people. He doesn't just come upon, he doesn't just help out in certain situations, but the Holy Spirit now indwells or lives within individuals. What the Bible teaches is that if you are a follower of Jesus, the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit resides within you. The Holy Spirit now dwells within your life. First Corinthians makes this very clear. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, Paul says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells, lives, makes his resident home in you? In 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 to 20, 
It says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. That Paul makes this argument to them that they should, they must look different because they're not like other people. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit now lives, resides. You are now God's temple. Now, this is not some special earning that certain Christians get the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit and others don't. And if you know anything about the Corinthians church, let's put it this way. They weren't model Christians, right? Paul doesn't write this book to tell them how good of a job they're doing at everything. It's kind of like, you all are screw-ups. God's Spirit lives inside of you. Stop living this way. Like, why are you doing this? You're different. God's Spirit is not just around, but he lives within you. And the language that Paul uses there twice in 1 Corinthians, that that God's Spirit makes us the temple, would be a shocking and an astonishing message to an ancient audience because they knew what the temple was and they understood its significance in Judaism and in the world around. And, And perhaps it's helpful for us to see the significance of us now being God's temple. The Bible both talks about individual believers being God's temple and the church together being the temple where God's presence uniquely dwells. But, but let's look at Second Chronicles 7, uh, what happens when the first temple is dedicated and the presence of God comes and dwells there. In Second Chronicles 7, starting at verse 1, it says this, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and, excuse me, and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped God and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The fact that the Holy Spirit now indwells in you, if you're a follower of Jesus, is a shockingly awesome thing. Just as in ancient times when they saw the presence of God come down and dwell and their response was awe and worship that God would do such a thing, that should be our response that the Holy Spirit would come and choose to indwell and make his home with inside the life and the heart of every single follower of Jesus. See, and it's because of the indwelling presence of the Spirit that we can be confident that no matter where we go in life, that God is with us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can be confident that whatever you, whatever happens to you, wherever you go, that God is with you because the Holy Spirit indwells within you. He's not on vacation. He's not renting. He lives permanently in you. He indwells. He's made his home in every believer. See, the Spirit comes to us not because of what we've done, but as a blessing of faith and trusting in Jesus. And just as you don't earn your salvation because of good works or church attendance or giving a certain amount of money, you don't earn your salvation. You receive salvation through belief and trust. And you don't lose that because it's a gift of God. So also, you don't lose the Spirit of God just because you struggle with the sin or you're struggling with depression or you're feeling down in a certain way. You don't lose the Spirit of God because it's a gift of Jesus. Jesus that's received through faith. It's not something that you earn, but it's a gift of God. His spirit comes and indwells within us. So the third way to understand the advantage of the Holy Spirit in our lives 
is that we need to experience the Spirit's power. That for everyone who's a follower of Jesus, we need to experience the Spirit's power in our life. Common words throughout the New Testament are when the Spirit comes or when the Spirit of God shows up, power comes along with it. The Spirit and power go hand in hand throughout so much of Scripture. We see this clearly in Acts chapter 1, where where Jesus says this to his disciples, but you will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That because of the Spirit's presence now with believers, they are equipped with a unique power to live for God and represent him in this world. In fact, that power of the Spirit residing within you is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit living inside you, that power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's Paul's argument in Romans chapter 8. He says this, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells, there's that word again, lives, resides in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So he's saying that if isn't like maybe it has happened, but he's saying because, because the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead now lives, resides, takes a permanent home within you, that same spirit will give life to your mortal bodies. Now, Sometimes when we read that, we just think, okay, that's talking about like that I will live after I die, right? It's like resurrection life from from eternity goes on. But in the argument in Romans 8, life to our mortal bodies isn't just some future thing that is experienced, but it's how we live life now. It's that the spiritual life that God has for you now is only lived if you access and understand the power of the Holy Spirit, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, living and working in your life right now. But the reality is, for many of us, and myself am certainly included in this, I wouldn't always describe my relationship with God as one of just experiencing overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Right? For many times, there's, there'd be seasons where you, if you were to ask me, hey, when's the last time you saw the power of the Holy Spirit in your life in some way? I wouldn't know what to say. Because we don't always experience this, this kind of same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That sometimes can seem so foreign to us. Like, I, I don't feel that power. Like, I, I don't see that. I, I'm not feeling that in my life. I don't experience things like this. How, how, how do we experience the power of the Holy Spirit like this? The same, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead wants to give life, spiritual life to me in my, in my life. How, how do I experience this? Well, I thought this week of, of a few different reasons why we don't experience this kind of power regularly in our lives. And these aren't meant to be exhaustive by any means, and they, they kind of flow together. But, but one reason why we don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit like this is simply we aren't doing our part. 
is we don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit because we're not doing our part that God has given us in our walk with Jesus. Now, sometimes when people think of what the power of the Holy Spirit looks like in their life, they're like, oh, okay. So if God lives in me, then following God just means I let go and let God. I let Jesus take the wheel. Don't get your theology from country music, please. That may be well-intentioned, but, but what so often happens is it means, oh, I don't have to do anything. If, the, if that power, if the Spirit's within me, then he'll just do whatever he wants. I don't have to try, and I'll show up to heaven someday. I'll be like, here I am, just as you wanted me, God, and I don't have to put forth any effort at all. I'm reminded of a quote from a theologian many years ago that he said, grace or the gospel is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. And if you read through the New Testament over and over again, it has these words to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, to do all that you can. Illustrations of soldiers and of athletes training and striving to get every ounce out of themselves. He says that's the mindset of us in our pursuit of God. It's not that we just sit back and do nothing, but as we do what we can do to follow after God and we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do, then we start to see growth in our lives. An illustration that's been helpful to me, shockingly, is of a cyclist, which I know if you're here regularly, you're like, oh, shockingly, you thought of a cyclist story since that's what you like to do. But last summer, I was out, um, we were over in the the Sierra Nevada mountains with, there was a group of us guys, and three of us went out for a bike ride um, together one afternoon. And it was Dustin who did the announcements. Dustin and I were on what you would call regular bikes. And there was another guy, he was here for a service. I called on him, but he's not here, so I won't call him out publicly. But he he rode with us, and he was on an e-bike. Now, I don't know if you've heard of these e-bikes or not, but Doug's a little bit old. Oh, there, I said his name. Sorry, Doug, you're out there, right? And he came to me afterwards and said, yeah, like, I wouldn't have probably even gone with you guys. He's a little bit older than Dustin and I. He's like, I, don't, I probably wouldn't be able to keep up with you. But there we are riding, and we're in the mountains. And so, like, Dustin and I are in, like, our easiest gear that we can, just trying to huff and puff to make it up this road. And Doug literally is carrying on a full conversation with himself because Dustin and I can't talk. Right? He's like, do-do-do-do-do. He's chatting, and we're like, just trying to get air into our lungs. Why? Because he has an e-bike. Now, what happens with an e-bike is you can turn it on and it will assist you and take you much further and much faster than you could ever go by yourself. But here's the thing. An e-bike isn't a motorcycle. You don't just turn it on and take off. It only works as you pedal. It's called pedal assist. As you put in the work, it will move you further and faster than you could go by yourself. And I thought, isn't that such a great illustration of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Because the reality is, is that if you try hard enough and you're super disciplined, you can get to a measure of godliness in your life. If, you, if that's like your only focus and you just bear down and your only focus is I'm gonna try and do everything I can, you can achieve a certain measure of godliness in your life. But if instead of just trying to do it your own, if you did what you could do and invited the Holy Spirit's power to work alongside you, you could achieve much greater results. You could go far deeper into the things of God. You can experience much greater spiritual maturity in your life, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to come work alongside what you yourself are also doing. See, there's a balance here. It's, it's not that we just sit back 
and let the Spirit do everything. No, we work alongside. It's not that we do everything and don't rely on the Holy Spirit. That's where we get into legalism and just moralism in life. But when we try ours, when we do what we can do, and, and we invite God's Spirit into what He can do in our lives, we'll experience radical transformation. See, one of the, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is that he will illuminate or help guide and understand Scripture in our lives. That the, the Spirit is one who, when we sit down and read the living and active Word of God, the Spirit is the one who can expose sin in our hearts and give us wisdom, give us encouragement, give us what we need from God's Word. But how is the Spirit going to give you what you need from God's Word if you're not in God's Word? You see, how the Spirit can't use His power to guide and instruct you in that if you're not doing what you can do to open up and study Scripture, and it says you do what you can do, and you invite the Spirit to do what only He can do in your heart and your life, that you'll start to experience growth that maybe you aren't seeing in your life. So the power of the Holy Spirit is not I sit back and let God do His thing, but I strive with all I have, and I invite God to do what only He can do along with me. Another, a second reason why I think we don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that for many of us, the reality is, is we are just living too safe of Christian lives. As we're living too safe of Christian lives, the reality is, is for many of us, we don't experience the power of the Spirit in our lives because we don't need the Spirit in our lives to accomplish the goals that we have for us. There's many, uh, many of us, many of you, who are, who are very accomplished and, and are gifted and are smart and are intelligent. And through your own intelligence, you can plan your college, your career, your marriage, your parenting, your finances, your hobbies. You can craft all these things around you and never look for God's input into your life. So there's this amazing thing in the New Testament. The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon and is often given to those who boldly live for Jesus, who want to live bold lives. The reality is a lot of us don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit because we don't want to live bold lives. We'd rather be comfortable in our Christianity. We want Jesus to fit within our vision of what I want for my life. And this is what I want God to do. And so I could experience the power of the Holy Spirit, but that would push me outside my comfort zone. I'd rather not. I'd rather just sit back here and not experience the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the power of the Holy Spirit goes with bold living. One of the the clearest ways, and we're going to look at this in more detail next week, one of the clearest ways in the book of Acts that the Spirit shows up in power is when people step out and evangelize, share their faith with others. You want to experience the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Start sharing your faith with the people around you. Suddenly, you'll start to see the Spirit work in ways that it never was working before. Why? Because suddenly you're living a bold life. You're creating room that you can't go and change someone's heart. You don't know the answers to their questions. You don't know the right thing to say. But suddenly you'll start to see, wow, the Spirit is doing something within and through me. And this is not me doing it, but this is the Spirit of God empowering and using me. How can we see... We see this New Testament, we see radical generosity. We see the Spirit showing up in power when people refuse to back down when they're told to stop spreading the name of Jesus. We see the Spirit's power come to those who are literally locked up in prison and threatened to be killed because they won't stop talking about Jesus. That's when the Spirit moves powerfully, when we step out in boldness. And many of us don't experience this kind of resurrection power because we've tried to fit Christianity into my life, into my bubble. You want to experience the power of God in your life? Step out in boldness. 
Live for him in this fallen world. Take a stand on what the Bible teaches as true, not what culture says is true. Start sharing your faith with the people around you, with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with your loved ones, with your family and friends. If we step out in boldness, we will see the spirit show up and empower our lives in unique ways. A third reason why we aren't experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is simply put, we aren't asking for help. For many of us, the reason we don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is where we don't ask God to help us. See, and I think the reason why this is, is in our world, independence is like the highest marker of maturity, right? They're like, okay, when I can get so I don't need anyone or to ask help for anything, then that is a mature person. When the reality is maturity is actually knowing when and where you need to ask for help. You never become independent. Maturity is knowing when and where in your life to ask for help. This was illustrated for me so vividly, literally last night as I was finishing preparing this. I was sitting at home and my toddler uh, loves to go out and play in the backyard. But there's one thing, sometimes this toddler's parents have the audacity to lock the sliding door. How dare they? It gets in the way of her playtime. And when she was a little bit younger, she would go to the sliding door and it was locked and she would just yank on the handle and start screaming at the top of her lungs. You know, as mature two-year-olds like to do, right? Just, it won't open and she, she's just pulling as hard as she can. What does maturity look like? What happened literally last night is she goes to pull on it, it's locked. She turns around and looks at me and says, daddy help, daddy help. She's realized I can't do this myself, I need help. That's maturity, not thinking she can do it her own, but realizing where she needs help. See, a lot of us haven't experienced the Spirit's power in our lives because we're just trying to live life on our own. And we need to learn where do we need to say, God, help. God, help me. I can't do this on my own. I can't do this in my own strength. I can't overcome this sin. God, I can't fix this marriage on my own. God, I can't heal this relationship. God, I can't find my purpose in life without you. God, help me. And when we start to pray that simple prayer, God, would you, in your spirit, help me? Would you give me the power I need to do this? Because I can't do this on my own. We'll start to see the Spirit's power at work in our lives in ways that we never have before. See, where do you need the Spirit's power in your life today? Where are you trying so hard on your own, maybe for years with sins, with relationships, with different things, and you just can't get there? Where do you need to say, God, I need your help. Spirit, would you empower me? Would you give me strength for this? Because I can't do it on my own. See, the amazing thing is the power of the Holy Spirit can do far more in and through you than you would ever imagine. The power of the spirit at work in your life can do far more in you and through you than you would ever imagine. Meaning you can have a depth of relationship with God that you never thought was possible. And you can see God use your life in ways you never imagined if you would only ask the power of the Holy Spirit to work through you. See, Ephesians 3 says this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to what the power at work within us. That's the Holy Spirit. The God in and through your life, because he lives and dwells inside you, can use your life far beyond what you ever imagined he could. 
if you would just ask him to. If you would invite him in and start to lean and depend on the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. God, we thank you that when Jesus left, he did not leave us alone, but he sent the Holy Spirit who now lives and indwells every single believer and follower of Jesus. God, I pray for some of us this morning who have been trying to live independent lives, who have been living safe lives and not stepping out in boldness. God, that we would look to you for help. God, that we would realize that growth and maturity is not doing it on our own, but learning to rely on you more and more in our lives. So God, in the areas of sin, in the areas of struggle, in the areas of hopelessness, in the fear, in the worry, God, would we invite you in? And would we see the spirit in our lives do powerful things far more in and through us than we ever imagined? For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.